This is Malia Brown, and I am so grateful to bring you Many Ways to Peace. Thank you for amplifying peace just by listening. So this is Malia Brown, and today I'm speaking with Fifth Fernandez and Hamish Boyd. These two are partners in business and have been partners in life for 31 years and 317 days. Fifth Fernandez is the director and founder of Kamali Medi Clown Academy. And Hamish Boyd is an actor, writer, photographer, and he's also a founder of Medi Clown. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having us. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so happy that you're here and I've only given really a sampling of what you're up to in life. So would you mind telling the listeners a little bit more about who you are in life and what you do? Okay. Uh, so I have, I've been an actor actually since I was 10 years old, uh, professionally since 1977. Um, and, um, being an actor is a, a wonderful life, but it's a difficult life because there is no such thing as security. So you have to enjoy insecurity. And I certainly have done that because I'm not the type of person to be a nine to fiver. Um, most recently, um, just over the last decade, I completed my solo show, which is my life story from the age of five to 50. And I have, I have already performed it across Canada, in Britain, uh, in Woodstock, New York. And uh, it's been received wonderfully by many people. And in India. And in, in oh yes, I forgot, India as well. <laughs> Didn't done that. So um, I'm about to start rehearsals to rework it, to workshop it, and to add some extra scenes and make it even more fun. So that's my acting life. But my clowning life is uh, a part and parcel of it as well. And <clears throat> this clown right beside me is the one who got me into clowning. And that's an entirely different life, entirely different state of consciousness altogether. So tell us a little bit about what you do in life and who you are. Right now, what I'm doing is I am a medical clown. I started uh, what's called Medi Clown Academy. And Medi, actually, medical is actually Latin for the art of medicina. And so it's not just about allopathic medicine. It's about healing the spirit of self. It's healing the spirit uh, in our environment and with each other. So it's very much about how we come together, in my view, how we come together and support and heal. And obviously through that is lots of laughter, lots of fun, and a very, very deep spirit. I, I do that in hospitals and orphanages, in um, <laughs> homes for lepers, and I was on staff at a hospital in Canada, the Alberta Children's Hospital, for a number of years. And then six years ago, Hamish and I relocated to India, to a place called Oroville, and we have launched this program there because people wanted it. And the suicide rates and the stress rates in India are so high that it was calling. It was absolutely calling to us that something needed to happen. And so thus, Medi Clown Academy. So we're training people to be clowns and to serve the divine. Lovely. So what does it look like to be a clown? Can we get an image of that? 
I think to be a clown, a medical clown, is to really go in deep and to have a heart connection, to feel the love, compassion, peace, and caring in the other person that obviously is reflected in yourself and to have that elastic, that elastic band that goes back and forth, right? And it's that connection of all the cells and body, spirit, and mind. So, you know, quite often people say, oh, you, do, you know, you're, that's great. You make people laugh and you go and you work with kids. And to me, it's so much deeper. That's part of it. It's a very big part of it. But it's working with everyone. It's working with people. It's working with infants that are neonatal, that are maybe a pound, you know, have been born, you know, whatever, three months early and working with people who are 105, 110 years old because there's the life force in everything and in everyone. And obviously we're laughing, but when an accident comes through, I'm a first responder sometimes for really hardcore cases of uh, accident or sexual assault, a rape. We're there as well. And that's not necessary. Well, it's definitely not the time to be laughing, but it's the time to open up the heart and to embrace and to see the love and the peace within. And so, yeah, so that's for, that's for me what medical clowning is. It's really having that deep, deep connection. What about you? Um, we were in uh, La Paz last January in Mexico, and we went to a rehabilitation center uh, and and it was for children <clears throat> with physical and mental disabilities. And even though I have been clowning with Fifth for a number of years, this was a total new opening for me and a discovery uh, because it really came home to me that I was not there to make children laugh. I was there just to be with them. And so... The heart connection, it's, it's, it's a magic <clears throat> that I find difficult to describe. But if I just uh, reach out and, and hold a child's hand, or if uh, I, help, I help to uh, assist them with their physio and cheer them on, then it's not about me, the clown. It's about the child. So you focus your consciousness on the other person, not on yourself. So I'm not there to be silly, even though I might be silly, it's by default. My focus is to be there for the patient, for the staff, um, for the family, so that I focus on them and give the energy to them. Yeah. So we're a channel. It's to be a channel and of service and in my perspective not everyone's but in my perspective it's a channel of the divine and it's also uh healing and it's shamanistic i mean clowns have their roots from oh my gosh what fifth century um bc within that dynasty where they were this voice that was not necessarily the and I put in inverted commas, 
correct voice or the proper voice, but they were the voice of chaos and the voice that brought things up to the surface where people could really examine themselves. So we're a conduit, would you say? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but we have a lot of fun. So there is a lot of laughter. And of course, laughter shifts your physiology. And um, years ago, what year was that? 2011, Hamish and I and our peace partner, Carolyn Pogue, were invited to come to Uganda, where we started a peace camp. And it was a peace camp for kids who had been affected by the war. Um, There was a civil war there. So many of the children between the ages of 13 and 21, so young adults, were either child soldiers or the girls were, and again, in inverted commas, made to marry. They were raped. And the process that we did was we did activities of art. So it was drawing, uh, theater, obviously, as both of us are theater people, music, uh, photography, photojournalism, and laughter. So we did a lot of laughter. And this really facilitated to bring about peace within themselves to reconcile some of the things that they had gone through which were absolutely horrific horrific um and what why are you looking at me like that (laughs) i'm just listening okay it's a it's a it's a process which uh you need to once again take time to listen take time to listen to what stories they have to tell you yeah. So that so that even just the act of listening is an act of clowning and also an act of compassion. Well, and when you're doing this, what I think is so interesting about this is that you're actually in a particular type of exterior costume. You don't show up as yourselves. Tell us a little bit more about what your costuming looks like for clowning, med- medical clowning. In a medical clown, it's really focusing on the eyes and the heart, right? So we don't wear very much makeup at all. Uh, Our clown noses are small. In India, now I have a clown nose that's made out of palmara seeds. So the palmara seed comes from the earth. Uh, We work with the village people to create the clown nose. It's a seed that's cut in half, that's polished, but it goes back to the earth. our costumes are really specific to the culture. Yeah. You know, I mean, my, my clown in Canada, my hospital clown was called Jumpa and Jumpa meant kind friend. What was it? In Tibetan. In Tibetan. Um, mm. Loving, kind, compassionate friend in Tibetan. Her middle name was Nappi, which is trickster in Blackfoot, uh, an indigenous tribe that we have here, and Satara, because I was born in the stars, okay? And in India, my name is uh, Papadam. So, uh, sorry, you're Papadam, I'm Papadi. And Papadam is a little Papadam that you eat, right? So it's kind of fun. It's like like a large potato chip. (laughs) So... Yeah, it's like a large potato chip. <laughs> so in India, I wear uh, sort of like a kurti, uh, an Indian outfit, and a dupatta, which is like a scarf, and I have flowers in my hair. In Canada and other places, I have uh, Peruvian dolls that I wear on my head. 
um, the worry dolls. So when I work with people, they can give me all their yuckiness. Like when I work with kids in oncology or people in oncology, I say, give me all your, your barf. And they give me their barf and the barf gets transformed and goes right into my worry dolls. I don't have worry dolls. I just duck. <laughs> the bob and weave. Yeah. So the same with me. I, I I don't focus so much on costume. It's not about costume. Even though I like, you know, I have I have a vest that is a polka dot vest, and I have trousers that are striped, and 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 I I have a little beanie hat, <clears throat> but it's no big deal. We don't do the white face, the big shoes, the huge hair. That's not, that's, that's. But sometimes my costumes are functional. So they have lots of pockets, even though I do what's called empty clown, uh, um, empty pocket clowning. Um, they have large pockets in case I do want to pull out something um, that I create on the spot. Like I might pull out a piece of paper from my pocket and create a little puppy dog, an origami puppy dog. And it's going, you know, and the, the puppy dog does all this and it comes out of my pocket. Or the other thing is I have on my pants, they're drawstrings. So if a child pulls or anyone pulls on the drawstring, my pant legs go up and down. <laughs> and I also have a huge waistband on my pants so that I can lift up my pants over top of my head. So I do a magic trick of disappearing under my pants. <laughs> uh -huh. And my pants are so big that sometimes I can put my hands so they come out. They're like little bloomers. So my hands come out underneath and I can spank myself. So all you see is my hands and they're little paddles that I, you know, look like a penguin or I can spank myself. So they're, they're functional. You know, they're created with a designer. I want a pair of pants like that. I don't have a pair of pants like that. I would love to be able to disappear, but I'm always there and I can't help it. Well, yeah, so. So I, I love what you say about laughing the trauma away. I read that in your website. And I just think that's a beautiful way to look at life, that it's possible to laugh it away. And some people would say, well, wait a minute. How do you put laughter and trauma in the same sentence even? So there's a special way that you've determined that helps to bring that in cohesion, right? Yeah, and there's two little stories I'd like to share with you, if that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sri Lanka? Oh, three little stories. Yeah. Okay, okay three, yeah. I just reminded her. Yeah. So one is when we were talking about uh, the kids in Uganda. Um, how graphic can I be? As graphic as you'd like, these listeners know that you're being real, and that's what matters to all of us. I think the more okay. real that we get, the more we can find the peace inside of the real life, and we're having a practical conversation for peace. Okay. Yeah. So when we went to Uganda, on the second day that we were at the peace camp, uh, this young boy came, and he was 14 years old, and absolutely no affectation his eyes were dead. His face was dead. There was nothing there. And we soon uh, befriended him and he trusted us. And the kids spoke English. They wanted to speak English to learn their English better. Their main language was called Acholi, but they spoke in English. And we did an exercise where we would write things that frighten you. And 
So the way we set it up was, you know, maybe it might be a snake that frightens you, or it might be, you know, um, your brother comes out and says, boo, or maybe it's the LRA, just to give them an opportunity and choices. And when it came to this young boy's turn, um, he said it very deadpan. And I'm going to warn the listeners right now that is, it is extremely graphic, okay? This is his story. He says, when I was eight years old, uh, the LRA, which is the Lord's Revolutionary Army, they come to my village, and my mom has just finished making poshu. We finished just eating the poshu, which is the porridge. And they say, we want poshu. And my mother, she says, there's no more poshu. And they say to me, and all of us, that you will become poshu. And they make me to go and get an axe. But I run away. I don't want to get an axe. And then they catch me. And they bring me back with the axe. And then they chop my mother and my father. And they put my mother and father in a big pot. And they cook my mother and father. And then they make all of us to eat my mother and father. And then they take me and a big spear and they drug me and they make me to put spear in my friends and then many years later i escape so this is this boy's story and when we come back to him the other kids around him are saying but we don't want to recognize we don't want to remember this story we want to continue we want to have fun we want to live and so Hamish and I are in this horrible predicament of honoring this young boy and having his story heard and then listening to the others who want to forget and so when he told us that story we just said let's all breathe and we all breathed together the pain we breathed together all of this and then we just said now let's just send love and energy and we went, we breathe, and we went, so why don't you breathe with me? Just breathe. And now just breathe. Ha ha. Ha ha. They were able to take this horrible trauma and breathe it, transform it, and release it. And when we left, we asked this little guy what he thought. He was 14, not little anymore. And he said that he loved doing the laughter because he could, and he loved Peace Camp because now he could leave his luggage behind mm -hmm. and he could forgive, forgive his wrongdoers. And when I tell the story, and I didn't tell it quite the same way here, but in a live audience, when we're telling the story, we tell the story and right away we say, and breathe. And we get everyone to breathe and we breathe a couple of times and then we just say, release it and release it with love. Ah, and then we just start like I did now with ha 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 
you know, the first time I did it, I had what about five, 600 people laughing within about a minute and being able to transform that trauma. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you want to tell the other story of the trauma with the, the Sri Lankans? Yeah. So in Oroville, <clears throat> we uh, work for the Sustainable Livelihood Institute. And we do uh, stress relief exercises there. A group of people in their 30s, about? They were all ages. All ages. But they had been in the 30-year civil war. Right, yeah, yeah. So they came from Sri Lanka. It was their first time in their whole lives leaving Sri Lanka and being in a totally different country. And they came and we did a stress release uh, um, workshop with them. And a lot of laughter, a lot of running around, a lot of um, connecting with each other, just looking in each other's eyes and seeing both themselves and the other person within each other. And after this workshop, um, quite a few of them came up and said... All of them. All of them. And said that they have done a lot of therapy at home in Sri Lanka, but it has all been talk therapy. And they loved what we did because they said, this is in the body. This uh, releases all that pain that is in our bodies. And this activity is so much more powerful than just talk therapy. Wow. And they found that it was, it sustained. So many people find that it sustains, you know, um, not forever. You know, you still need to continue with the positive imagery. So it's not just the laughing. It's the intentionality to shift, to transform, and to allow that release, and to allow that release to affect someone else, and then to have it rebounded or mirrored back to you. So it's using the imagination. It's using intentionality. It's using um, acceptance, and it's a it's a given a give and take a yeah. flow. Yeah. Wow. So what I'm hearing is that individuals they don't have to go through traumas to be able to experience this, but certainly it's been proven that if you go through a trauma, laughter is a healer, and that when yeah. you laugh in a group, and you do it in a way where you're actually setting an intention to heal whatever the trauma is, you know, it could be a moment of forgiveness with a parent. It could be an ex-spouse. It could be something you are holding onto from childhood, whatever it is, right. That we can transform it through laughter. And by connecting with another, they can reflect that laughter back to us for the release. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that's why when you go to a funeral, uh, sometimes there's people that just laugh because that's a form of releasing. Mm -hmm. And when we're not allowed to grieve, when we're not allowed to cry, and we hold everything inside, that's when the disease starts to form. Fester. And fester. But if we're allowing ourselves to cry, and just cry, 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 it's a cycle. The crying turns to laughter. The laughter turns to tears and it's just this beautiful cycle. But then we, as we cry, we wash 
we wash the tears away. We wash that hurt away. It transforms and transcends. Would you say? Yeah. Yeah. You're talking so, about the funeral. Oh, the funeral. Mm-hmm. I want to make a note here. You know, I've heard about laugh until you cry before. It never really occurred to me to cry until you laugh, though. And I think that is a powerful, powerful practice. Cry until you laugh. And they are two sides of the same coin. That's a really yes. great, great analogy. Yes. Yeah. Well, Hamish just reminded me. Um, I was working with a, a young lad uh, who had um, a type of cancer. And he, had, he was called what we call a frequent flyer. So he'd been coming to the hospital since he was diagnosed when he was three and a half years old. And I was not in town and I got a phone call. I got paged actually asking, his father asked me if I would come and see him. And I was out of town and I had to say, I'm sorry, I'm not able to come and see him. And he said, well, I don't think he's going to make it. Will you talk to him? So I got on the phone with him and I was at an airport and we started to laugh. And I said, you know, hey, bud, would you like to laugh? And he said, sure. And we laughed for about a minute. And that was all he could do. And I said, would you like me to call you again tomorrow? And he said, uh-huh. And then I called him the next day and the next day and the next day. And this stretched out to almost six months. So he was released from the hospital. He would still come back to have his chemo and to get stem cell. And then uh, he was readmitted. And during that time, uh, he didn't pass away. Okay. But when he passed away, uh, his parents asked me if I would participate in his memorial service. And I said, sure, of course I will. Um, And I was a little nervous, but I thought, okay, fine. You know, I'll just do my little one minute uh, sharing. And no, they wanted me to do laughter at his funeral and to be the MC, the officiant, right? And I thought, oh my goodness, how am I going to do this? And I was really, really nervous because all I, I did not do it in clown. I did it in my person because I happen to know this child and the family also outside the hospital. And you have to be really careful with your boundaries and borders, but I'd gotten permission from my supervisors. So I went and I, many of my colleagues were there, like all the oncology team, the nurses, the staff. He's a very, very loved young boy. And there was about what, 400 people in the, at the service. And I started by saying that it was his parents' request that we laugh. And we started, as I mentioned it, I said, well, one of the things that he liked to do was, and then I invited someone to ask for a specific laughter. And from the very front was this little voice that said, let's do zebra laughter. And that was his brother who said that. His brother would have been about six years old at that point. And so that's how it started. We did zebra laughter. We did a number of different laughters. Uh, We did breathing. And we offered all of this to the Buddhas, all the laughter to the Buddhas and to all the beings in the whole universe. And to this day, people, when they see me, say that it was so beautiful and it was so loving and it created such a peaceful situation around this, this tragedy of losing this young boy. 
And so, yeah. And his mom yeah, still contacts me and we're still very much in touch. Mm-hmm. So yeah, laughter and clowning is very beautiful. And it, it's not confined to the medical community. That's what I hear you say. Laughter is everywhere present. Certainly it can be in a funeral. Um, it can be in a moment on the phone, right? Choosing laughter as opposed to in choosing tears or suffering. And, and I love that that's a choice that you're consciously making and other people are choosing it with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've also done laughter in schools. So schools is huge. Um, Hamish did one session with 98 kids right before their examination. They were grade three and four students, right? Yeah. Yeah. And their grades went up because you're releasing the tension. And as you release the tension, the answers just come. Oh, I must tell you one more story. This, I think, is a powerful story. Uh, again, this was in India, and I was working with about 10 women from the village. Mm. And at one point, we were doing baby laughter where we hold a baby and we tickle the baby and they see this beautiful baby. And then I asked the group, well, what is something that you do that you would like to shift? You would like to transform? And this one woman said, I want to stop hitting my son. And all the other women laughed. And I thought, oh my God, why are you laughing? And I realized, and they realized the reason they were laughing at that point was inappropriate laughter was because they felt uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And so we reframed how to do this laughter. And we said, no, hitting someone and abuse is not appropriate. We need to look at this and let's transform it. So what we did was we took, we, I said, Lo, imagine, and again, we use imagination a lot. Imagine your son or a little um, puppy dog or kitty cat or whatever. And so you imagine this little being and you start tickling it and you see it and you love it and mm, you kiss it you hold it close to your heart and you can see them all melt and then you go and you share your loved being with the next person and soon everyone is feeling that wonderful wonderful sense that's coming from the heart and you're tossing the baby up and catching it and then you're just laughing with the baby and then we anchor that feeling with a very good, very good, yay. So we clap that so it anchors that good feeling into your body. So she went away that for that week and I saw them the next week and as she came, there was this glow that was coming from her. I didn't want to say anything, but as we all gathered, we checked in and we asked her how it was. And she said, oh, they all called me fifth ma'am fifth ma'am it was so wonderful i have not beat my son and now he is wanting me he wants to come with me to learn how to do this and he wants to take laughter to teach all his friends and so here was an instance where we transformed her way of being into finding a peaceful solution into dealing with her son yeah yeah And we've done that with men and women, and it's been really profound. Well, you know, first of all, I just want to say thank you for the work you're doing in the world, because I think often people think that um, suffering is, first of all, it has to be born alone. 
and you know your proof that we can have a place in community where we can listen to each other's um, heartache and we can hear each other's hurts mm -hmm. and we can still be with it and release it in a way that's full of love for them and for ourselves where we don't have to um, because somebody else has had a very horrific experience, we don't put them in a box and say, well, you're just gonna have to deal with that on your own. We really embrace them. Yeah. yeah. I, I think also one of the things that is that you don't have to be in that box alone, but also we don't perpetuate this, mm -hmm. this tragedy. There's a lot that is now being said about quantum physics, about neuroscience, about the imagination, you know, where you focus is where you end up living. But if you focus on the good things, yes, all this terrible, horrible crap has happened, but how do we transform it? And if we're in this world together, how do we hold each other's hands and laugh knowing that your suffering is my suffering and my suffering is yours, but your joy is my joy yeah. and my joy is your joy. And how do we do that so that we transcend and we create a beautiful life individually, in family, in community, in society, and how, and that's how we transform, in my humble opinion, the world right put that intention out there and we live that intention so i'm i'm thinking about what you said and i'm thinking about it as somebody who's listening and i'm hearing this voice inside my head that's saying yeah well that's okay for you but how are you not internalizing that trauma i mean the stories that you've told us today are tremendously impactful and they are so valuable to the communities that you're in and how do you keep that sense of joy and looking towards the positive for yourself amidst that. I think I have to go back and look at my own life. And in my own life, there's been a lot of things that haven't been wonderful. There's been um, sexual assault. There's been rape that went to uh, a trial. Uh, there's been, um, you know, um, lose Hamish and I had a, a ectopic. Well, I guess I had the ectopic pregnancy, so we lost. You know, uh, what would have been our only child. We don't have children, so there's all of that that's there. Um, my family. I was born in Tanzania, and we left when I was five years old because there was a mutiny that was there in in Tanzania and if you didn't take the key out of the ignition you could be shot on the spot so there's all these traumas that are there but if I live in that I'm not gonna find joy I'm not gonna find happiness but if I look at that as a way to learn and to grow I've also been in a car accident I've been in several car accidents but I was in one major car accident where I was driving and it was early in the morning and I, um, I fell asleep at the wheel. The car rolled and one of my best friends was killed. So I've had to live through that. 
And if I continue to live in that space, I'm just going to be six feet under before you know it. But if I can see the joy that's in someone else and borrow that person's joy or allow myself to go through the, the hurt, the pain, the grief, the anger, just, ooh, and allow it to transform, then that's how I get to the other side. So when you ask, how do I do it? You just do, because if I, and there are times when I have a pity party, oh my God, yeah, of course I have a pity party, but I have to get out of that pity party. And when I am, then I see that beauty. She has a, she has a magic trick which involves um, pills called Smilenols. <laughs> so instead of Tylenols, we offer Smilenols. So uh, medication is a double-edged blade. And the medication of laughter, changing your perspective, doesn't have any side effects. The side effects that it does have is it brings more light and more joy into your life. Yeah, Smilenol. It's interesting that it's called Smilenols because we know that physiologically, if you just smile, you can't help but feel different, right? Yeah. It's just the simple yeah. act of smiling, like laughter, the, you know? Yeah. Right. And, yeah. And, and, and people know that uh, it takes a lot more work muscularly to frown than it does to smile. There's less muscles involved, so it's easier. <laughs> I love easy, and I love fun and easy, and this has been such a fun conversation, and you have shared so deeply and um, just uh, so openly and vulnerably, so thank you for that. You know, I'm thinking about many clowns and having them inside of all institutions. What would that look like in 10 years from now? <sighs> well, it's interesting that you say that because we have just been shortlisted in India for uh, the Yes Foundation and we are looking at training over 5,000 medical clowns to work not only in hospitals but education, uh, villages and in corporations. We've had a lot of corporates that also ask us to come and do these exercises and they want to learn them and we believe that when there's more laughter, the stress rates go down, the suicide rates go down, disease goes down, happiness increases, the economy of the country increases, there's a lot more community, and we just have fun, you know? It's, it's a beautiful way to live. Now, there, there may still be some dips, but we have that way to go up so 10 years from now i believe well when we do heart math they have done heart math uh peer-reviewed science and research that shows that when there is intentionality and there is that heart coherence there is less war there's less traffic accidents there's less violence there's less crime so now when you add the heart math with the laughter with the medical clowning and sustain it. It's phenomenal. So, and they've done studies that say that even if you have, is it 1% or 2% of the population in that area? Mm -hmm. 
it's either 1% or 2% of the population in that area if they have focused concentration on intentionality of peace, of love, of laughter, all of those yuckies, the violence, um, criminal behavior, criminal behavior yeah. et cetera, decreases. So in the next 10 years, that's what I see. And I believe if we put it out there, more people will live in that. They will aspire to that. There are certain people in political power who could do well to have a clown by their side. <laughs> well, I, you know because what I'm hearing clown, too. Go ahead. Because a clown, and I think this is, I, I have another clown character who's actually a peace fairy. Her name is Shanti Amani Salama. And when she looks at someone, it doesn't matter who it is. She sees the most beautiful spirit and soul. And when she sees that, she can see in the eyes of that person the love that's there. And so as I donned this character, Shanti Amani Salama, which means peace, peace, peace. Okay. Shanti in Swahili, Shanti, uh, sorry, Shanti in Hindi, Amani in Swahili, Shanti Amani, and Salama is also in Swahili. But when she blesses peace, uh, people, and she looks into their eyes, there's something there. And she might say, you know, I bless you with peace. I bless you with love. I bless you with the courage to continue with the work that you're doing from my heart to yours, to all around the world. Namaste. And people melt. You know, Shanti Amana, Shanti Amani Salama has blessed bikers like hell's what are they called? Hell's Angels. Hell's Angels that are like six foot six, you know, tattooed and you know, these big tough guys walking down the street. And one guy came and I blessed him and he looked at me and he just melted because I think she saw this beautiful, this beautiful, beautiful man behind the toughness. And there's been times when, you know, in Calgary, in Canada, when I've had a lineup, I, I did this for the International Peace Research Conference, the IPRA conference, where Shanti Amani was blessing people. And there was a lineup of whatever, 50, 60 people. And the next day, this is the first time I'd ever done this, I'd created this character. The next day, the lineup was even longer because they said, oh, when you blessed me, it helped my hip. Or can you bless my other hip? <laughs> And I think it's just allowing that silliness to come through. And I, I was just doing it because I thought it was kind of cool. But they felt something that was there. And it was the peace that was flowing and the love that was flowing in them. Yeah. Wow. And when, when, um, when we leave here, you know, after this conversation with the two of you, I heard something really profound which I think was this, and help me if you want to um, give it any bit of sizing or correction. Or, but the one thing we can all do is just to set an intention of love and peace wherever we go, wherever we are, in whatever moment. And like the smiling, it's not any more effort than any other thought. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's setting the intention but seeing 
that att- intention, imagining it. Right. I worked with uh, bankers on the equivalent of Wall Street in Calaba in India. And it was just a child and a parent that came together. There was 10 parents and 10 children. And we put our intention in the middle of a circle. Sorry, at this point, I was just working with the adults. We put the intention in the middle of the circle that we were sending love to the other parent or the other spouse that was at home and the other children that were at home. And we just sent love. And not only, and of course, in India, uh, many of them have extended families. So you put everyone in there. And as they were pouring all the love to this, they were just feeling so good. I said, now look at the child, the beggar child that you go past every day that you pay no attention to or the leper that's there that's begging and that you just ignore. And all of a sudden, all 10 of the parents, three men and seven women began to cry because there was a part of them that realized that there was the humanity and there was themselves in that beggar child, that beggar adult that was there. And I ended up having to reshift the focus of the class. And they said, we will never look at a beggar again in that same way because they saw the humanity and the love that was there. So I think with the intention, it's not just the intention, it's to transform oneself and to see it's what the Dalai Lama, it's like, oh, what's that called? Um, oh, I'm so sorry. What's that called when it's, it's not just the intention, but uh, you breathe in someone's uh, pain and you exhale love. It's, it's an old Tibetan practice called Tonglen. Oh, Tonglen, yes. Where you um, imagine um, everybody from your closest friend to, your, to a stranger to an enemy, you breathe in their suffering and their darkness, and you give them all your light as you exhale. So it's an ancient meditative practice, respiration, but also intention, breathing in suffering, releasing uh, your own light and, and your own happiness for the other person. And then continuing with breathing love, inhaling love, exhaling love, inhaling love, exhaling love. It's a Thich Nhat Hanh, a beautiful Vietnamese Buddhist French, uh, Buddhist monk that lives in France. No? So it's that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've come on quite a journey today, you know, from laughing to traumas to creating an intention for ourselves and just broadening that love and in in that world in 10 years from now i think what i'm hearing is that their people are more connected we're more able to help transform suffering just by being with another or by loving deeper there's really there's not like a doingness out there nobody needs to sign up for any particular army of peace or clowning of peace right that's that's not what it is it's a really simple methodology yeah yeah. Yeah. John John Lennon said it the best with just the title of his famous song, Imagine. Yeah. Imagine. Yeah. Imagine. We can all do some more imagining on that, what 10 years looks like, you know, in a peaceful world. Uh, that's a really strong practice. 
And mm -hmm. I think you've given us a lot to imagine. I, so much grace, really. And thank you for the work you're doing in the world. I know people are going to want to find you um, and hear about what you're up to. So if you could tell us your websites, please. So the MediClown website is www.mediclownacademy.org. And MediClown is M as in medical, E-D as in Donald, I-C-L-O-W-N-A-C-A-D-E-M-Y dot org. And you are at? I'm at hamishboyd.com. Very simple. H-A-M-I-S-H-B-O-Y-D dot com. Okay. Great. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing more about what you're up to in the future because I think that we're going to have you back here. I can just hear the listeners wanting to hear more. We all love to be lighter and to laugh. So thank you again for being here today. I really, really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. And it's so great to see you and hear you and love you lots. Love you too. If you would like more information, please visit our website at peaceamplified.com. May you have peace in your heart, peace in your community, and peace in your world.